You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Hello, all you cyber cats, canines, and critters of all creation. This is Diane West coming at you from the greatest city in the world, New York City, with another exciting episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. I am so excited. We always get great guests. And today in particular is one of my favorite shows, Georgia Fox, who plays Sarah Seidel from CSI Las Vegas. And she is going to be dishing to us not only about CSI, but about a lot of really, really interesting things that she is doing on flying lions from South America to the United States. Really, really interesting stuff. We'll be right back. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. For her. Enter the code PETCITY10, D-E-T-C-I-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. There's a movement afoot. Shoebuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code PETCITY, P-E-T-C-I-T-Y, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed or email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available coast to coast and around the world it's all behave with arden moore find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in rin tin tinseltown from famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars you'll get great tail wagging pet tips and have a fur flying fun time all behave with america's pet edutainer arden moore 
every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast, right, Diane? For many of us, the circus brings back fond memories of lions, tigers, and other large, beautiful creatures performing incredible acts of courage and agility, usually with their tamers and trainers on board. But in recent years, the ability of some circuses to properly care for these large beasts has been under scrutiny. This scrutiny has not been limited to the United States. Joining us today is Georgia Fox, who plays the popular character Sarah Seidel on the mega-hit CSI Las Vegas, to talk about her personal work on behalf of some very special and now globe-trotting lions that she and other notable stars have helped move from Bolivia to the U.S. through their support of Animal Defenders International and their work on Operation Lion Arc. Thanks so much for joining us today, Georgia. Oh, Diane, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this project. So give us a little bit of background. Tell us what life is like as you know it from your involvement with this project that life is like for a typical circus lion in Bolivia. Uh, well, goodness, and that's a huge question. Um, the organization ADI, Animal Defenders International, started an investigation. It was sort of a two-year undercover investigation to the treatment and sort of the everyday life of circus animals throughout South America. They found some really, really tough findings. You know, the animals obviously are kept in very small spaces. Some of them were often malnourished. They were on the road all the time. The temperatures, as we know, can either be ex- extremely hot or extremely cold. Their research is, is pretty well documented on their website. Then they presented these findings to a bulk of countries in South America, and they invited and sort of uh, asked these nations if they could do better and, and, and what could they do. And um, the beautiful stroke of sort of genius, a lot of the nations in South America responded overwhelmingly to decide to ban circuses. So this country that we're dealing with right now, Bolivia, has put in a full ban in effect. Uh, it was actually uh, passed by their Congress. It's Bill 4040 and um, made traveling circuses and all circuses with, with large land mammals illegal. Uh, there's wow. three other countries right now in South America that bans that are pending, uh, including Peru, Brazil, and Ecuador. Uh, Costa Rica banned a long time ago, I think probably three or four years ago, um, which really was phenomenal because it was sort of the bridge between Mexico and South America. And when Costa Rica decided to outlaw traveling circuses, they sort of put in effect that it became very difficult for the traveling circuses to get from one country to another. You know, Costa Rica, Panama, Guatemala sort of being the gateway to those nations. It was an amazing feat. And um, at ADI, when they were able to successfully put this ban in effect, it sort of made a pledge to the country of Bolivia that they would help them with any circus animal that was left over from the ban. Obviously, these animals are very difficult and expensive to care for. They have huge needs. They need a lot of land and space. And, um, and they told Bolivia, don't hesitate. You know, if, if there's an animal, we will be responsible then for, for the duration of that animal's life. And out of that has come Operation Lion Arc. ADI successfully moved four lions in May of 2010 out of Bolivia to the Paz Sanctuary in Northern California. 
I think it was one of the first times that something like that had been done. And the problem was that um, Bolivia, unfortunately, right now, doesn't really have the type of sanctuaries to care for these animals if they're not privately owned through circuses. Uh, mm. Hence the giant airlift. And it seems sort of like an extreme measure to take to, to provide sanctuary. And, um, and also because a lot of the laws are so different throughout a lot of those countries, uh, there was a fear of leaving some of these animals behind. In essence, they could get sold off and, and could end up almost anywhere or to a nation that hasn't banned circuses yet. And uh, the hope was really to provide, if the ban was going to take effect, you know, the dream was to improve the circumstances for these animals, not to sort of leave them in, in a limbo or like mm-hmm. a purgatory. So they have gone about the country of Bolivia with the permission and the great help of the nation of Bolivia, uh, including the president and the mayor and the governor of, of uh, Santa Cruz, and have collected in, I think they were able to, to go to seven circuses in seven days and collect the bulk of the lions, and there was one final lion that they just picked up on February 4th. There's a total of 25. Three of them are cubs, and one of them is, is a quite aged, half-blind lion named Kimba, who to give you a, you know, just a, a brief window into this, had been in a cage in Bolivia for the last eight years without ever leaving that cage. And they had to sledgehammer him out. They literally had to break walls down in a zoo to get the lion out of the zoo to get him transported. You know, after he retired from circuses, he'd been living in the zoo for eight years. So, um, and that went, that went well. So that was great. And, um, they've been getting them healthy enough to travel and, uh, they will be airlifting them on February 15th to the wild animal sanctuary, uh, just outside of Denver, Colorado. They're the largest and oldest nonprofit wildlife sanctuary in the United States and um, and that's sort of just the gist of it. Any circus animal, at least I can speak for in the United States and having done, you know, a lot of educating myself about South America, it's really one of the most unnatural things that we could ask of these animals. Uh, nothing about the circus is in any way humane or natural for animals, particularly our large land mammals like lions, bears, elephants. Uh, even animals like zebras and llamas, it goes against the very grain of their nature. And uh, and I think that we're at a time in history that's pretty exciting because I think a lot of people are really recognizing that and evolving beyond it, you know, that there's there's other ways. You know, we're stuck with these animals now. They, they can't be released back into the wild. They're not able to do so. And uh, so what is the best possible thing that we can do for them? Wildlife Animal Sanctuary in Colorado allows visitors which is one of the ways that they're able to keep the sanctuary going. And I offer that to people who really want to see these animals, who want to, you know, educate their kids about these animals. Don't go to the circus. Don't go to the zoo. Find a sanctuary in your area. There's a, there's a decent amount of them. And take your kids there. I live in California. And, you know, go whale watching. Don't go to SeaWorld. Now, you raise a really a uh, number of interesting hot topics here. Now, one thing I, I kind of zeroed in on is when you say having to deal with different countries, I would imagine that gets very, very delicate, you know, when you have people from the United States going in and saying, hey, you're doing something wrong. We're going to take these lions, you know, from you. I mean, how important was it to have the local authorities behind your efforts in that? I don't think it can be done without the local authorities and without sort of the popular support of the region. ADI sort of started their circus campaign. You know, they're originally out of London. They're headquartered in Los Angeles now, but they still have a very active office in London. And they they began their campaigns in Europe. And they were able to implement several bans in Europe first, you know. And and London has got a ban pending. 
And I think with the success of that, and they were able to branch out into other areas. I think they were connected in South America. I think that they saw that there was a dire, dire, dire need in South America, and that was one of the reasons that they chose to go there next. They're launching their American Circus campaign relatively soon, and I think oh, really? we should expect that. Yeah, I think we should expect that within the year as well. And because the U.S. is such a juggernaut of different laws and, and different recommendations and and different statistics, I think that uh, ADI has wanted to make sure that they're very well prepared before they launched. And part of the airlift, I think, hopefully will will let people know that ADI is out there and will sort of bring ADI home to the United States, and, and that'll create a, a decent platform for them to slowly begin their launch. I do have to ask you this, though. You know, a, a lot of us who are of a certain age, shall we say, have these fond memories of going to the circus. And, and I mean, it was not a big deal, you know, and that was actually one of the big things we were looking for, the lions jumping through the fire, jumping through the hoops. You know, how do you fundamentally change somebody's, you know, I guess, childhood memories of that? Is, you know, is there a challenge to shifting from, you know, saying, look, what you were watching was horrible and awful, but we want you to watch this yeah. instead? Well, and I wouldn't want to try and reframe people's memories. You know, certainly mm-hmm. if, they, if they have good memories, that's a great first connection. You know, because if they have a great memory of animals in a circus, then probably they connected at some point that there was a, a love and admiration for these animals. So I've been lucky enough, and, and I'm not all that young myself, but I've been lucky enough to kind of to grow up with, you know, First National Geographic and now mm-hmm. Animal Planet and, you know, IMAX theaters. And I think that there's, there's so many other great ways, including some of these Disney feature films that have been out over, you know, they kind of came out of planet Earth. Like, there's just better ways to do it now. And, um, you know, the, the legacy of importing wild animals all over the world has been a really tragic and sad one across the globe, you know, and has led in many respects to a lot of these populations being on the brink of extinction. Now we have a whole other crisis because... Even if we can care for a lot of these animals, we don't have all that many places to put them where we can really call it a sanctuary. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, in Africa or Europe, the United States, space is limited, it's very expensive. And, you know, along with global warming and so many of these other issues that, that are pressing on us is how do we keep habitat and an environment that's sustainable for these animals into the next 200, 300, 400 years for our kids and their kids? And and really, in my opinion, sort of the balance of the planet. I mean, all of these animals in the wild have very important jobs that they do and, and have kept the balance of Earth in a beautiful, I would say, a very beautiful state. And I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to look around and, and see things, you know, everything from, like, uh, fishing populations disappearing. You know, like, it, at the base of it, we're going to have to feed ourselves and hopefully live on the planet and have enough oxygen and enough trees where we can all flourish. And with that... You know, without the wildlife populations, I, I don't think that's really entirely possible. When you say, you know, that all of us can flourish, you know, about the lion laying down with the lamb and us, you know, taking yes. care of everybody as well. What occurs to me is when, you know, you do go into countries like Bolivia and, and I'm thinking also, you know, like certain farmers in, in Africa who, you know, have their crops trampled by elephants. I'm wondering, is there a very delicate balance where you could say, look, we care about you humans as well. And, you know, here's an alternative that you could do to make a living as opposed to, you know, infringing upon the wild animals? Is that part of it as well? 
absolutely. Like, how can we make this sustainable for everybody? I mean, and my, my environmentalism and my, my animal advocacy comes directly out of love for people, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't really want to move to Mars. I mean, I guess that could be interesting, <laughs> you know, as a last resort, but I really like CSI it. Mars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> so of course, you know, and that's, you know, one of, that's one of the bigger issues with a lot of these wild animals is, is habitat. Uh, encroachment, you know, and that is because the populations of people are expanding in ways that we didn't predict 30 and 40 and 50 years ago, or maybe that we just didn't make space for. And that's where a lot of these clashes are coming from in terms of wild habitat. You know, there's cultural things, you know, like, you know, in the U.S., I think 80% of, of wild trafficking ends up in the United States or China. The U.S. really loves wild animals as pets and entertainment. China love them as pets and entertainment. They also use them for medicinal purposes and they, and they really eat exotic animals in a way that we don't. So we all have our cultural sensitivities and things that perhaps we can be working on. You know, for me, it starts right here in, in Los Angeles and in California. And it is, it's a, it's a very tenuous balance. You need to show a lot of respect for people and hopefully at the same time, we can all work together to make things better for all of us instead of, you know, at the exclusion of, you know, either farmers, let's say, in the Serengeti or, you know, a lot of animals that will be gone in 20 to 25 years. If you get on the CITES website, I mean, it's terrifying sort of what could happen. I mean, now it's, you know, it was 100 years from now. Oh, and then it was 60 years from now. You know, now it's 20 years from now. So I really invite anybody who cares about these issues, pick your specialty and get involved because this is something that's going to happen while most of us are on the planet. We're going to see this happen. And I do think it will lead to also the fall of the human race. I don't think that it will be exclusive to the fall of the animal kingdom. And why is it that over so many years it seems like there's been some sort of battle? You know, maybe, maybe back when we were cave people, you know, man needed to exert his authority over the planet. At this point, we've won. I mean, we won fair and square. We really... We, I think that's, that's being generous that we, that we yeah. won. <laughs> we, we won that battle, and, and now it's my generation's time to, to sort of put a balance back into things. There's a lot of ways to do that, and there's a lot of people out there working very diligently on these projects. ADI is, is one of them, and, um, you know, these animals are coming primarily with the tremendous benevolence of Bob Barker, who over the last... 20 years has just done some phenomenal things for animals, but because ADI has pledged to support these animals for the rest of their natural lives, they are actively seeking support and donations from people that are interested in adopting a lion or seeing these animals through. It's a pretty remarkable undertaking. It's the biggest seizure and rescue operation of lions ever, and um, you can go to let me get this absolute the lions save the lions appeal.com or adiusa.org if you'd like to support this endeavor i've seen that you know a lot of us have trouble you know fitting our overhead luggage on the plane and i'm thinking my god how do you move a, a lion you know yeah <laughs> on the plane from bolivia i mean yeah, yeah 25. It is, you know as georgia says listeners you really have to just the logistics of moving 25 lions mm-hmm is quite amazing listen we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back and yes everyone i am going to ask georgia about csi so don't hang me i will be right back all right this is my stop commercial boulevard yeah that's funny 
pets in the city will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash city, C-I-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Celebrate your special occasion and give her this classic semi-eternity band created with one-carat brilliant diamonds channel set in 14-carat white gold. Exclusively yours from ICE.com. Free shipping over $150, free returns, and 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to ICE.com and use promo code ACTFP and get 20% off your purchase. Or use promo code ADTFP and get 20% off at Diamond.com. Ice.com or Diamond.com. Get 20% off from Pet Life Radio. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities Opportunities are available. I love animals. If you ask the question, what do I want? What do I need? I'll take affection. I really should mention. I need time. I need love. I crave attention. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best bets for pets. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? And we're back. And as you can see, Georgia Fox, uh, in addition to being apparently a world investigator in getting uh, a lot of these beautiful exotic animals back here, as we all know, she is one of our favorites on CSI Las Vegas. That's the only CSI for a lot of us out there. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> Georgia, <laughs> Thank you. Georgia plays Sarah Seidel, who is an amazing, the evolution of that character has been amazing to watch, Georgia. For, for was this, the 11th season? Yes, season 11. Who could have thought? And you were gone for, what, about two years? And people went bananas. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I took a sabbatical. It was, you know, interestingly enough, I ended up doing at least a couple episodes every season so far. Mm -hmm. But there was a year there. I took sort of a year off where I I found myself tired. And I decided that I wanted to get off TV before people noticed or before perhaps my coworkers started to notice. Yes, I was kind enough to let me go. So, and then... um, you know, the year passed and I was ready to work. I did a lot of traveling. I worked on some of my own projects, little things that I've been wanting to do and things that, you know, you kind of want to do them while you're young enough that you'll still do them. And, and then I started looking for work and I, I think I'd been looking for work for about three weeks when CSI called me and said, well, we hear you're looking for work. Would you like to come back? And I couldn't think of a single reason under, under the sun to say no. And it's been really fun. I, I guess I've been back, you know, two seasons already almost. Hold on a second. Let me backtrack up this. Okay. They had to call you and say, oh, we heard you're looking for work. Well, they, you know, they had given me this, this amazing, beautiful, dramatic goodbye with a cake and flowers <laughs> and a party. And, you know, it, it was, and I remember saying to Carol Mendelson, who's but our. But they sent you to South Sarah, America, right? Didn't they send you South America? They did. Interestingly they did. enough, Sarah, there you go. Sarah got to go to uh, Costa Rica. She got on the Sea Shepherd off the Galapagos. She did all kinds of exciting things. And. And the last thing that I said to our showrunner, Carol Mendelson, was, you know, I'll miss you. Thank you so much. I'm leaving, but I'd love to visit sometime. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of that, you know, one thing led to another. And I, I at first came back um, when William Peterson was ready to take his sabbatical. They invited me back for a couple of shows to sort of help him get off the show. And that's where we were left, sort of suspended. You know, and it was... It was one of these great, in my opinion, one of these great Hollywood endings of two characters that were going to live happily ever after exploring the world together. There was a part of me that thought, you know, we should just let that fit. You know, the book is closed, you know, the, the chapter at the end says the end and it's over. And so there was that where I thought maybe the best thing for those characters was just to sort of stay there. And then there was this call from CSI saying, well, why don't you just come visit for a little while? And, and I was thrilled. I never expected that to happen. You know, TV shows move on. You know, when people leave the show for whatever reason, they tend to move on. And so mm-hmm. it, was, it was very flattering and, and ended up being great for me. And, um, and now we're sort of in a balance where I get to do a lot of episodes. And, and if there's something else that I want to do, like go to Denver in February and greet these lions for a few days, they are often able to tell me to go do it. So it's a great, great job. You and Grissom, and as you were saying, that is uh, your wonderful you know, co-star, William Peterson. You guys, for a lot of people, have an ideal marriage. 
It's like, you know, you love each, <laughs> you love each other, you Skype in once in a while, hey, how you doing, you know, and whatever. Yeah. And I mean, and you, forget it, you teased everybody the last episode that he was on there and you guys were talking. Does that mean that Gil might be coming back? Well, thanks for watching, first of all. And well, um, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a, a really great scene for me. You know, I had done one episode where I was on the Sea Shepherd and I Skype Grissom and I essentially break up with him, you know, and say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to wait for you anymore, you know, and I love you and you're free, go live your life. And sort of for that to come full circle to where I'm sitting at CSI and he's in Peru, yeah. you know, working yeah. on these ruins, uh, it, it was a great moment. And, and he was kind enough to come. I don't think it means anything necessarily for the future of Grissom and Sarah on CSI. And that would definitely be a question for, for Billy. But I was really grateful that he showed up and, and that, you know, at least in this make-believe world, you know, Sarah and Grissom are still very much in love and happily married. And, and you know, they were always two very, very independent souls who kind of always went where their heart led them. And, and so I think that is a great thing about their relationship, that they can be together. And they're both people that have wanted to really do some really exotic, crazy things and that they have the space in their relationship to allow each other to do that is uh, really cool for me. I really like them as a couple, too. And, I mean, it seems like they really both evolved as characters. I, I mean, you've really seen them both come out of their shells, and, like, every so often you, you hear, you know, a revelation that's like, wow, you know, okay, that's that maybe that's what informs their personality. But i got to tell you, one thing I really love about Sarah is, you know, you see that there's a lot more to her than meets the eye over the past 10 years. I mean, you know, she seems very shy and reserved. I mean, highly intelligent, but very shy and reserved. And then, you know, every so often you get like a pearl, like, you know, you, you find out that she was in foster care and then you find yeah. out that, you know, she's had other stuff. And, and I mean, that just seems like really inspiring to a lot of women, I think, that you're showing a strong woman who's overcome some hardships and now has carved out a successful career for herself. Thank you. Yeah, I certainly think. And that was very polite of you. I mean, I, I might describe her as a little socially inept. She's a lab nerd. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's a testament to our writers. And I think for sure the moral of the story is that your stuff or your junk or, you know, your trauma doesn't have to define you for your entire life, you know. And, and I think that's a really awesome message that you can make applesauce out of apples. You know, you can... You can persevere. And, um, and it, you know, and, and her and Grissom, they are kind of unique. I mean, he was kind of eccentric himself when it came to interpersonal skills. And, yeah. And it took them a really long time. I think that they, you know, there was a connection between them and the chemistry, but it took them a really long time for them to both decide that they could actually spend their lives with, it, with another person. I think mm-hmm. they both kind of thought of themselves as loners and that maybe that kind of a relationship wouldn't necessarily be something they'd experience. And they're able to make it work. You know, that's a great message, too. You know, you may feel sometimes like you have trouble connecting with people, but there is somebody somewhere out there, you know, that that might make life more fun, you know, if you share it with them. Even in a forensics lab. Yeah. Yeah, in the darkest (laughs) of darkest hours, you know. You've also, it seems like you've been able to weave some aspects of your personality into... Sarah, I mean, she's a vegetarian, right? She's very, (laughs) she's very involved with animal rights. You you don't want to, you know, I mean, I've seen a few episodes like that, that you don't want to work with meat and stuff. And is this something you requested or the writers kind of did? We did an episode, it might have even been season one, I think, 
we did an episode, you know, it's, it's not uncommon in forensics for scientists to use pigs in experiments primarily because their skin is so similar to humans. Right. So there was an episode where Grissom had gotten himself a pig from the butcher shop and was trying to recreate how long someone might have been dead by watching the pig for several days. And the way he ascertained this was through, you know, what elemental, what bugs would sort of visit the body at what time. And, and he was successful. He was able to recreate how long this poor woman had been dead in a forest. And through that episode, you know, what, what happened when I got the script, because Sarah was supposed to sit with Grissom over this whole thing, I called one of the writers and I said, you're not going to use a real pig, right? Like, please, mm. we're not, please don't use a real pig. And at that point, Josh Berman, who was one of the writers on the show, said, well, are you a vegetarian? And I said, well, yes, I am. And he said, wow, so is my mom. Mm. And he said, well, well, let's make Sarah vegetarian. Wouldn't that be cool? And I said, yeah, it'd be great. So it was actually a writer's idea. And, uh, and we used that episode as sort of a stepping off point for Sarah that after having sat with that poor dead pig for three days, that she made a, a personal change in her life that she wasn't going to eat meat anymore and she wasn't going to use animals in these experiments. And, um, and we don't use... You know, obviously all the dead things on CSI are either real breathing live people or prosthetic, you know, brought to you by the wonders of special effects and, and uh, special effects makeup people. These, you know, we use the fake pig uh, mm-hmm. and we reused him two or three times in the show. He's actually, he's, he's ended up being worth, worth his, his cost. <laughs> he, bring, he, he brings <laughs> home the bacon, dirty. shall we say. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. And I don't condone using animals for experiments personally, but... I have to tell you, I, I have a friend in a, uh, who works in a forensic lab here in New York, and they say, you know what, wow, I wish that we had some of those things that... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 3D graphics and, and this and that. I mean, you guys... Although, then again, I think... Uh, I wonder how many forensic scientists you've given birth to through this oh, show. Oh, well, thank you. That would be nice. Yeah, there was a time about three or four years ago that we had the best funded forensic lab in the country and it was sitting on a film stage in LA. Almost all of our equipment is real and it's, you know, some of it is donated, some of it is purchased for the show. And so, you know, I don't know if that statistic is true today, but there was something kind of really sad about that at the time that Hollywood, you know, has the backing behind it to make that happen. There's, I think that, that the forensics world is doing better than it did before the, the CSI shows. You know, there's some backlash to that, too, in the sense that, you know, people particularly, they want answers much quicker. You know, they, they, they say, well, yeah, but on CSI, they can find out the results in, in five minutes, you know, like right, taking you right. guys three weeks. And I think it's been helpful in court because as forensic evidence is presented, jurors have a better sort of, it's been more accessible to them. So forensics right. is not something they're hearing for the first time when they go into a courtroom. And thank goodness for it. I mean, it, that's something that's really come out of the, again, the last 30 years of science, you know, has made amazing strides. There, you know, there was a cold case just solved on the news last night of a woman who had uh, killed her kid. I feel like it was. That's right. Uh, I remember seeing that. that yeah. And the brother recently yeah. just came forward yeah. and said, my mother, yeah, yeah, that was sad. And they no, were I, able I, to I, put the pieces together. Now, on the flip side of that, what I've heard, like, once in a while, a criticism is like, yeah, but you know what? You're showing criminals exactly what they have to do not to get caught. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, so th- I think that's true. And I also think that there's very, very, very few ways to get away with a crime these days. You mm-hmm. know, there's that window, you know, and criminals will always try and think of ways to outsmart, you know, law enforcement. But in the age that we're living in right now, it's pretty amazing at how little you can actually get away with. You know, mm-hmm. you, 
And I think the show also shows that. You know, like, oh, well, we're probably going to arrest you. <laughs> Very few of our, our criminals actually get off. It happens. Mm-hmm. We're outsmarted by a 12-year-old twice. Uh, the same <laughs> genius 12-year-old. Uh, you got to watch those kids because I think they're the most ahead of the technology, you know? Uh, oh, anybody. let me tell you. Yeah. No, I know it. My niece, she's seven years old. She has an iPad. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's wow. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing. So listen, I really appreciate you spending time with us. I would be remiss with our Pets in the City Pet Life Radio listeners to not let them know that in addition to all this great stuff about you, you are also a native New Yorker. I am indeed, yes, and I miss it dearly. There have been several times I thought to myself, why couldn't I get on that CSI New York? Ah. <laughs> and I get to, they, I get they don't that. They don't film that in New York, right? They're, everybody's filming. no. They do the same thing we do and, and the same thing that Miami does where they go, you know, four times a year or so and they shoot exteriors. So we, we go to Vegas about four times a year. And uh, that would probably be two more times a year that I get to be in the city than I am right now. If I'm lucky, I get there once or twice a year. And, and I, I, you know, I love it. I was born in New York City. Oh, ah, okay. And my family relocated to a very, very, very small town in Florida when I was three. Oh, okay. Um, so I was... Primarily young in Florida, I moved back to New York at the age of 16. I finished high school there, and uh, my family would go back and forth a lot. My mom had only lived in Montreal and New York, sort of bigger cities all her life. And she okay. had this dream of taking the kids and moving them down to a very small beach town, which is what she did, she would do, but she would also get uh, homesick often for New York. So we would just pack it up. She'd take me out of school, and we'd go up to New York for a week and a half or so, and then come back. Okay, great. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a native New Yorker, and uh, my dog, unfortunately, just passed away last week at 14, but oh, my she's goodness. also a native New Yorker. Oh, so sorry. For native New Yorkers. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been a rough week, but uh, she had a really, Oh, my really goodness. And what, how do you mean they were native New Yorkers? Did you adopt them from here? Yeah, they were all rescues out of New York, yeah. And then I moved to Los Angeles, I guess, about 14 years ago now, so they all made the move with me and adapted you know, famously, of course, the weather out here and they love the idea of having a yard and all that kind of stuff that I didn't have in New York. So, but when my dog, you know, my dog, I was living in LA when my dog came, it was sort of a weird rescue. It was a friend of a friend that had a dog that needed a home and sort of one of those stories. And her original owner was an actor. So he flew out for an audition. He brought the dog who was 10 months old. And for about the first, I'd say eight or nine months of her Living in Los Angeles, all she wanted to do was walk up and down concrete streets with storefronts. <laughs> I couldn't get her to go hiking. <laughs> yeah, she was. She just didn't get it. And then as she got a little older, she was like, oh, I guess this hiking thing's okay, you know? Wow. So, uh, I had had, in these last 15 years or so, two cats. One came out of a shelter in New York City. One came out of a shelter in Brooklyn. And then a boxer, I was already living in L.A., that um, came out of New York City out to L.A. to be with me. And, um, yeah, so all three of my pets are from New York, and we're all rescues. Wow, and I know you, you said you had lost um, two of them recently. I lost my dog, Ali, last Sunday, uh, January oh, 30th. He was 14 years and four months young uh, for a boxer. That's, that's a yeah. really, really, really long, great life. Yeah, she, she was sort of on borrowed time for a few years already. And, uh, yeah, I'll miss, her, I'll miss her horribly. So I'm recovering from that. I'm sure, I'm sure there will be more... I'm sure there'll be another dog in my future, but I think I'm going to take a little time and just celebrate her first. Never gets easier. Never gets easier. No, no, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, that's their big joke on us is that their lifespans are so much shorter than ours, I think. I was thinking, well, maybe I'll get a turtle, you know, or a parrot (laughs) next. (laughs) They live a long time. 
And, uh, but again, you know, I, I actually don't advocate exotic pets as pets for anybody, but it's something that, you know, I think about it. It'd be nice to have an animal that, you know, would be with me hopefully as, as long as I have left. Well, you know, you kind of have, by proxy, 25 lions in Colorado, so there you go. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. I hope everybody will tune into the ADI website. They're, they do a great job of presenting video diaries. You can sort of uh, check updates almost daily and sort of join along in this adventure and this journey. Um, Jan Creamer has been in Bolivia for a couple of months already preparing everything. Tim Phillips who's based out of London, is now there too. The next time I'll see them will be at the Denver airport. We imagine February 16th, probably sometime around midday. And uh, it is a huge undertaking. As you mentioned, getting four lions to California was a massive ordeal. And the plane had to reload in Panama. So you're really bringing in three countries. You had Bolivia, you had the country of Panama, and the country of the United States that were all able to coordinate this together. They landed at San Francisco International, and San Francisco couldn't have been more amazing. Mm. Uh, it was an odd request and not something they get every day. Excuse me, customs, what do you have to declare? Yeah. Oh, 25 lions. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's, you know, there's pretty strict wildlife importation laws in the United States, and that's a good thing. So, good thing. But when you're actually trying to do something like this, it can be a very complicated procedure. The paperwork alone, the different languages that people speak, as I said, um, it's, it's quite an ordeal. And one of the coolest things about these 25 lions is a couple of them are, have been living in prides already under these circus conditions. So they'll be together. Uh, it, it seems after the first lion move, we moved three brothers and a sister, and they've been together their whole lives. And the transition was actually very, very smooth, we believe, because we didn't separate them for yeah. the entire journey. And so these guys will all go together. And it's the few that didn't know each other have had a chance to get to know each other the last couple of months in the temporary compound, which we're very grateful to Mayor Fernandez and Santa Cruz for providing the space for a large temporary compound for 25 lions. Oh, uh, yeah. And they'll be bidding them for farewell. So um, it's going to be amazing. I mean, uh, Wild Animal Sanctuary in Colorado is a, is a remarkable place. Uh, they have 300 acres. And, and these animals, you know, most of them have never stepped on grass. They've never had a pond or a lake to swim around in. Uh, their lives would be drastically different in a couple of weeks for the better. Georgia, can you tell us one more time how, how our listeners can help, you know, basically really make this the, a great happy ending and a great new home for the lions? Yes, please. If you're inspired or moved, you can go directly to the Save the Lions Appeal.com or adiusa.org. There'll be a link to their site. ADI USA will also, I believe, will be hosting the video diaries if you want to find out more or learn more about these lions. They are endangered, and they're incredibly majestic animals, and, and I think that we need them, and they deserve a, a nice place to live. And so uh, we'll be in touch with you, hopefully, uh, you know, a week or two and, and see what's going oh, on. That. Okay. Yeah, follow up. That'd be great. Fantastic. Georgia, we really appreciate you visiting us with us today. Thank you. Oh, Diane, thank you so much. That was very cool. I, I really hope that you guys got some good dish from CSI Las Vegas, from, of course, the wonderful Georgia Fox who plays Sarah Seidel. And we're going to check in with her again and see how the Lions are doing. We will put all the information she had spoken about on how you can help the Lions settle in at their new home up on our Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio website. So check that out after you listen. 
Oh my God. There is so much going on in February in New York with animals. I don't even know where to turn. It is fantastic. Well, February is I Love New York Animals Month. It's been that way for the past few years, and it does not disappoint. There are so many cool events going on that, you know, are meant to promote adoption and just plain having fun with your animals in February. For example, yesterday I was down in Chinatown, and because it's the year of the rabbit, they actually had a mobile adoption van of rabbits amongst the wonderful dancing lion dances and dragons. So again, you're the rabbit and that's how it kicked off for New York City Animals Month. I am very, very excited to tell you that next week on February 16th, some wonderful friends of mine who have been great friends of uh, New York Tales magazine, uh, which I publish here, are going to be on a new show called Doggy Moms. And if you want to read more about it, you could check out a very good friend of mine, Amy Sachs from New York Daily News. I will post her link again to our Pet Life Radio site. But this, you really got to watch this. These are some really great friends of ours that are just basically going to show you a glimpse of their lives in New York City Pet Society. We're going to have Karen Beale and uh, her dog Eli the Chihuahua, who she actually rescued from Craigslist. We're going to have our friends Grace and her Yorkies Portia and Rosie, Erica and her dogs Cubby and Ginger, and uh, two new friends, Leslie and her Yorkie Sally Sue, and Ashley and her Palm Zoe and Misty. Not to be missed, February 16th, 9.30 p.m., on the NYC Life Channel. Also next week is Westminster on Monday the 14th and Tuesday the 15th. Too much to go into here. I am going to post the link on our Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio website and you will have the great and well-known New York City New York Tales calendar of pet events there. That'll be it for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you, Mark, once again, my long-suffering producer. And thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are the ones that keep us on the air. And I would love to keep bringing these great interviews like with Georgia Fox. And we've interviewed Barb Barker before and a lot of other cool people. Want to keep them coming to you. So check out our sponsors. This is Diane West signing off from the greatest city in the world, New York City, with another episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. And we will have more fun for you soon. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.